Welcome to Alex Anderson's Quilt Connection, dedicated to educate, inspire, and grow today's quilting community. Welcome to the Quilt Connection. I'm Alex Anderson, and this is episode 100. Can you believe that? A hundred podcasts, and they said it couldn't happen. Anyways, um, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to share with you a gift that I'm going to give you that will be available on this site, alexandersonquilts.com. So you want to stick around for that. But I thought, what could I do for the hundredth episode that might be a little bit different? Well, I decided to interview someone who has known me their entire life. That's right. In fact, her whole life, and it is my daughter, Adair Anderson. Adair, welcome to the Quilt Connection. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, she's not really, but she's a good girl. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, let me tell you a little bit about my daughter. She is 26 years old, and uh, tell them where you teach. I teach in Dublin in the Bay uh, East Bay area of California. And what do you teach? I teach 8th grade core, PE, yearbook, and leadership. And what does 8th grade core mean nowadays? That's an English class and a U.S. history class fused into a two-hour period where the kids are stuck with the same teacher. They don't get to leave. Now, you know, when I tell people you're an 8th grade teacher, they're like, oh my goodness, and they just think you've got to be this side of sainthood. Is that true? No. In fact, it kind of offends me when people say that because (laughs) the kids are so funny in eighth grade. They make me laugh all the time. They make me angry and then two seconds later I'm laughing and I can't believe that I was even that upset. So tell them about the time when you were sorting out what you wanted to do after you graduated when you uh, were with kindergartners. Oh, what time? Kindergartens are never dull. <laughs> <laughs> what was the time where you substitute and you and you said the class was like totally out of control? Oh, I'm sure of it. Kindergartners are, those are the teachers that deserve extra praise. They're crazy. I remember she said, Mom, they were out of control. I mean, they were throwing shoes and everything. And I said, Adair, was every kid accounted for when they were picked up that day? And she said, yes. And I said, well, then call yourself a success. <laughs> now, people ask me when I'm on the road, Adair, do you quilt? I don't know how to answer that. The answer is no. If they say, have I quilted? The answer is yes, but I am no quilter. And what have you done? I made a bedspread in college, and I made a very small quilt for a senior project in high school. And then remember when you took care of Alexa and Sydney? Well, Alexis and Sydney, yeah. Uh, I made them two small quilts. I used to babysit them. And at the end of the summer, I made them each a quilt. In fact, that was really a cute story. I was out of town, and um, she said that um, she believed every kid needed to have a quilt to do what with when they're babies? (laughs) I don't think I I probably said suck their thumb, but I'm sure you're going to say something else. (laughs) Well, stick it in their ear and all that kind of stuff. So Adair... Cracked into my fabric line. It was my first fabric line. And um, I had just gotten the Bernina 200. And I'm like going, "Uh, what machine are you sewing on? And she said, oh, that new machine. (laughs) And you really didn't know your way around that machine, did you? No. I mean, being around sewing machines growing up, they're really not 
for me, it's not that difficult. It just makes sense. The only part that no matter what machine you put me on, every time, I don't even have to touch it, the bobbin, something goes wrong every time. <laughs> I think that's a universal truth. <laughs> and it was so funny because when I came home, I called Gail Hillert, who was director of education at Bernina at the time. And I said, Adair was on the 200. I mean, that was like a rocket, that one, kind of like the 830 now. And Gail said, well... That just tells us how intuitive it is. Yeah. Now, do you want to tell them about how I tried to incorporate you in quilting? Like when we go shopping? Well, my mom always said that I had a better eye for color. So she would let me choose out fabrics and things that matched each other because that was the only part I really, I really enjoy picking out and looking at fabrics. It's the whole patience of putting it together that seems to be against my... uh, nature. So I can remember at the cotton patch, I'd say you can buy a yard maybe. And I'd say, you know, you can do one thirds or one quarters or whatever. And she had her own little stash. Yeah. I always got lots of little stashes. Not much happened with them. Sometimes my mom would pick them up and incorporate them and that would be cool to see. I kind of gently borrowed them when she was at school or something like that. Um, What's it like having quilting in your life 100%. I mean, is it like just that's what moms do? Or or how did you view that, do you think, growing up? I never really thought of it any other way, except for that's just what it was. Except for when people ask me what my mom does, I say quilt her. And they kind of laugh at me like, oh, okay. People don't understand how wide uh, of a community quilting is. So when I mention it, they kind of just think of, I don't know what they think of, but they laugh thinking it's not you know, a huge community that I know it is, and I've always seen it as. Well, that's true. And I think one of the things that's so interesting about this community is the diversity of the whole thing. Now, though you don't call yourself a quilter, you do incorporate it into your curriculum. And I'd like you to tell people about this, because I think this is really interesting. Well, I bought a CD that was a U.S. history. And on with the CD came this poster with lots of different activities you could do. And for the nations divided during the Civil War, they were talking about the Underground Railroad and the blocks that uh, slaves would use to signal each other on where to go to get through the Underground Railroad. And I would have the kids choose a block and we'd make it out of paper in class. And we'd talk about kind of the history of quilting and where it started from. We also mix it in with the music that was used as well. But I remember I came home or my mom came to my classroom and saw some of the blocks and said that there was a huge controversy around it and on whether or not the blocks existed at the time and all of that. But I just I keep going with it because I I don't know the answer of it either way. I I do know they used quilts. What particular blocks, I guess, could be a controversy. But I think it's important for the students to understand that there was this whole um, culture that the slave owners were completely unaware of through folk songs and quilts and stories and church. And I think that's really the key part there. I am interested to find out once more research has been done, which particular blocks just out of my own curiosity though. When you say that you're going to do a quilt out of paper, um, You've got kids from other countries and all that going on there. How many of the kids don't have a clue what a quilt is versus those who do? Honestly, I don't recall any child not knowing what a quilt is. And you are right. I mean, I think we have 19 countries represented. And I 
I'm the teacher who tends to get some of the newcomers. So I do have a lot of students who are from completely different cultures. I've never had a kid tell me they don't know what a quilt is, but maybe there's been kids who don't, but don't speak up because everyone else in the room does. So I'm going to ask you, what's the best part of having a mom as a quilter and the worst part of having a mom as a quilter? And I'm really putting Adair on the spot here. I She is. I didn't think about this ahead of time. Uh, I think best part is that my mom has really followed what she believes in and made something of herself. And I'm really proud and look up to her and understand that if you just follow what you love and you put your 100% into it, you can uh, be successful in it. And that's really, I guess that, not necessarily quilter, but anything. I guess, I guess in my head I say, well, if you could be successful and really make a name for yourself, in something like a subculture like quilting, well, then you can do it anywhere, any arts, any anything you would want to do. Uh, as far as the worst part, I think as a kid, having mom at home working was always really rough because mom was home, but then you'd want to play or yell, and she'd be like, I'm working. But I didn't understand that. Uh, that was when I was really a lot younger. But then again, she was home, so that was good, too. Now, what about that T-shirt that you still have and wear? Oh, Someone gave me a shirt when I was probably in about fifth grade. I think it, your first quilting in the garden or something. It was a long time ago. And it said, um, abandoned child, my mom is a quilter. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the truth of it. So my kids have been really gracious with um, my whole quilting career. And I want to say that they um how i did use them because they really were not interested in sitting at the machine i'm i'm convinced it skips generations was i would call them in and ask them for their eye when i was working on something and doggone it they would get it right every single time so adair i want to thank you for celebrating 100 with us oh thank you for inviting me and maybe we'll have you back sometime okay sure <laughs> Okay, now I mentioned at the top of the podcast that I have a present for you. And I, I just want to say that, you know, I've been quilting now, what, about 32 years. And the graciousness that you have all extended, gracious nature, gracious words, gracious encouragement that you have extended towards me has been unparalleled. And also, I know that a lot of the podcasts when I got back on the bike and started riding were about, well, come to this and buy this and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know, it's time for me to give something back to you. So what we're going to do, Matt and I have worked this out starting on the 12 days of Christmas, which will be December 25th, you're going to get a red work block a day. And these blocks are from the very first red work pattern I did and it's kind of what kicked off the whole thing so what you'll be able to do is come on and print off the blocks and then we'll give you instructions on how to put the quilt together so I'm really excited about this and I want to make sure you tell your friends and stuff because this is free and I want everybody to get their hands on this pattern and red work their hearts out. Now, I'm not doing the red work for you, okay? But I am giving the pattern to you. So, celebrating a 100 podcasts, I want to say thank you to Matt, my beloved webmaster, who said, you need to be doing this. And thank you to all of you who have listened along the way and have been very patient when I took my Apple hiatus. 
Until we meet and we quilters do get around, happy red work. For more quilting information and inspiration, please visit us at alexandersonquilts.com.